0: and turn to 1 Kings 19. While you're turning, don't forget that next Sunday is what? We remember you mothers, so don't forget us fathers. All right, kids, help your mama remember that next week uh, is Father's Day. Look forward to spending time on that. 1 Kings 19, verse 1, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, by the way, I hope there's not any women in here with the name Jezebel, but if it is, I'm not talking about you, okay? (laughs) Ahab went home, told his wife what Elijah had done and that he slaughtered the prophets of Baal, 450. May the gods also, so Jezebel sent a message by text to Elijah. May the gods also kill me if by this time tomorrow I have failed to take your life like those whom you slaughtered. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went home alone into the desert, traveling all day. He sat down unto King James, I think says a juniper tree. The New Living says a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors. Let's pray. Father, God, help us to speak life from the Word into our lives. Maybe take this time. And encourage us where we need encouraging. Identify with us where we need identifying with. And help us understand this text. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today, I want to speak to you along the subject, nobody is exempt from discouragement. Now, Discouragement is a de, uh, is, a, is a, a it's a distinctive feeling. It could be one day. It could be months. You could be. You may be here today, and for years you've been going through discouragement. Well, as we think about that, what is discouragement? Or how how would you describe it? How would you define it? Someone said that they believe that discouragement is when you turn on the morning news and they're displaying emergency routes out of your city that you live in. Well, some say that maybe if your boss were to tell you, oh, by the way, don't take your coat off, it might be a time of discouragement. You know, it could be discouragement if you jumped out of bed and all of a sudden found that the floor wasn't there. That, that would be a discouraging moment. I think, well, if you looked out the window and you saw the bird singing was not a red bird, it was a buzzard right outside of your window looking you eyeball to eyeball, that would be discouraging. Or when you got up in the morning and found out that your dentures were locked together, Uh, that for us older folk could be discouraging. It's a bad day when you blow the horn and your horn gets stuck and you're riding behind the hell's angels. That could be a bit discouraging, especially when they look at you. It could be a bit discouraging when, if you wore contacts and got up and discovered you put both of them in the same eye. That, that would be discouraging. Or when you call your answering service and they tell you it's none of your business. That's definitely discouraging I I don't know anybody on the face of this earth at one time or another hadn't had a bad day maybe hadn't had a time that if you if you were to just tell how you feel on the inside you feel discouraged well two weeks ago we talked about preaching to the dry bones Elijah and last week we talked about how Moses got kind of in a in a a snit and decided he wasn't going to do what God said to do and spoke or speak to the rock. He hit it twice, madder than a wet hen. You ever seen a wet hen mad? Some of you go, what is a wet hen? Well, anyway, discouragement is used by the enemy to starve your faith and mind. We need to know that also discouragement can be a divine test, that either you're getting prepared for something good to come, or you're fixing to go through a little bit more difficult time, and it's getting you ready. Well, 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, think it not, or do not be uh, surprised though this fiery trial come upon, come upon you or that you're going through if something strange has happened to you. You see, James 1 tells us, dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. I got news for you, brothers. Sometimes I have to identify here with uh, Elijah. When discouragement comes, I just don't jump out a lot of times out of the bed with a smile on my face and joy in my heart. As a matter of fact, what I have to do is 3.30 and 4 in the morning, I have to turn on Charles Swindow. I have to turn on Charles Stanley. I have to listen to a man named David Wilkerson every once in a while because I personally know exactly what discouragement is all about. Well today, I want to show you that not only can I get discouraged, and I have a feeling that some of you have either you've already faced that or you're in the middle of it right now. And you say, "Brother Mike, I'm so sad on the inside, I'm confused. I'm I'm downcast, I'm disheartened, I'm overwhelmed with my situation. When we meet the prophet in 1 Kings 19, Elijah, you need to understand something about him. In chapter 17, chapter 18, and then slide it in the 19, Elijah has just experienced 16 miracles, 16 miracles. Now, I wonder here today, have you experienced a miracle before? I don't believe some of you realize just what a miracle, unless you knew the history and walked the steps that I've walked for 30 years, that this place is. Or how it even got here. Or should it even have gotten here. It wouldn't have gotten here had it been up to the enemy. Tyler, do me a favor and go get me a glass of water. I do not understand why some Sundays I can come here and preach and my tongue didn't get stuck in the top of my mouth. But today, I don't know what causes that. I would stop it if I did. Let me just share with you a few and then we'll move on. Of the miracles that Elijah faced. As you well know, he was used by God to tell Ahab, it's not going to rain kind of like, for three years. Now, we've, how, how many of you, before this rain got here, for the four or so weeks that we had, did you feel like you were kind of in a drought? You know, did you feel like that good night, when is it finally going to rain? And then when we get six inches at one time or eight, whatever you've gotten, we go, okay, uh, Lord, you can give us a break now. It's funny how we kind of control God. We, you know, we want to tell him exactly what he has to do to please us. But there was a widow in the light of this three-year period that he was sent to her house. And the Bible says that this widow and her son were making their last meal. And then they were going in, the Bible says, to die. Elijah said, listen, thank you, man. Go in your house, fix the meal, fix your son, but bring me the first plate. And when she did, she did that, and the Scripture says, for three years and time in that drought... Her oil or her meal never run out. Supernaturally, she was fed and taken care of during that drought. If you remember what led up to this story, the Bible says that Elijah wanted to find out the opinion between what God you were actually believing in. Were you believing Jehovah God, Yahweh God, or or was it the gods of Baal? And so rather, what he did is he called for a test. He called all the prophets of Baal to, to pull together an altar and to cut up a cow or whatever animal, critter they cut up, put it on there and said, okay, you cry unto your God and I promise you that if he hears us, hears you first, we'll worship his, your God. And so they prepare the 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 altar and they prepare it with the meat and they begin to crowd under their god nothing happened they cried and they cried and they yelled and they screamed all day long nothing happened you find the first reference of cutters in this pat in that text because the Bible says when they could not get their God to, to respond by, they began to cut themselves. And the Bible says all of those prophets were bleeding, spilling blood, trying to get their God to hear them. Elijah said, all right, guys, go get me three barrels of water. And we're going, now, this is in a drought. Where would you find it? Three barrels of water. But he found it somewhere. And he said, we're not going to douse this altar one time. We're going to douse this altar four times. And he cried out unto Yahweh God. He said, please, Lord Jesus, come and consume. And the Bible says, immediately fire came from heaven and consumed everything and lapped up every drop of water. And then he told Elijah, go slaughter the 450 prophets. The liars go kill them. That's where our story begins. Jezebel heard about it. And so Jezebel is after Elijah. When Ahab got home, he told his wife about it. His wife got extremely upset. And in verse 2, the Bible tells us that she sent a message Elijah, in 24 hours, you are going to die. I'm going to see to it that you die. Now, Elijah just come off a high. He come off a victory. He come off of of declaring it's not going to rain. And then all of a sudden, at the end of three years, he calls for rain, and it comes, and there's a great cloud that covers everything and drenches the earth, but now we see Elijah in a different frame of mind. The Bible says what Elijah was doing in verse 2, he heard a threat. He heard a threat. He heard a criticism. Now, I wonder Have you ever been criticized? Have you ever been just doing what God wants you to do and doing great things? Or you're just, just trying to be faithful, and somebody says, Oh my gosh, we didn't do it like that last year. We didn't do it. We, and then just begin to snip and criticize. Well, preacher. I heard another preacher preach this message, and he sure done a good, better job than you're doing. Well, bless his heart. And then all of a sudden, all of these, it's kind of like what Moses was hearing in the wilderness. But you see, Elijah got a threat. I've only had one threat on my life. man came to me and I don't let people come over on the phone anymore at 1 or 2 in the morning and visit with me because of that. But this dude weighed about 450 pounds. I was in Bethlehem, Georgia, and he said, I need to come over with you and talk to you. I, I need to speak to you. I said, well, come on. I was sitting outside waiting on him when he drove up. When he got there, he grabbed me by the collar and I looked like a chihuahua compared to that guy. And he lifted me up on the ground. And he said, I'm going to kill you right here on the spot. Now, that's one of those stories you read in the book. Happened. Evidently, he really didn't have killing in his heart because I'm still here, right? At that moment, I, I'm going to tell you something. I was unsure. My feet are off the ground. He was holding me up like I was a sack of potatoes. And here's what he said. Preacher, if you deny Jesus on this spot, I'll save your life. But if you don't, I'm going to kill you. Now, that's not one you read in the book. That happened to Mike. I looked at him before I had time to think about it and said, for you or no one else would I ever ever deny my Savior. Go ahead. He set me down on the ground, and he began to hug me. Now, I didn't know what I was dealing with. I didn't know. I, 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 didn't, I, I was lost. I said, come over here. Let's sit down. Now, some of you probably went in there and said, you know what? I'm finding my gun. I'm going to shoot this dude. But you see, that wasn't the way to handle it. The enemy sent him there to test me. Did I pass the test? Well, at least I'm here today. I don't know where he's at. Elijah, he listened to the wrong voice. You see, I'm convinced that all of us are hearing things. And some of you hear things all the time. And when God calls you in the ministry, I know one thing that's going to happen to you. may not be going on now, but I'm telling you, it's going to happen. You're going to run into an Elijah discouraging word. You're going to face a time when, when, like I said last week, it was you're going to face dryness. You're going to feel, feel like that nobody else looks at things or is excited about things like you are. And you're going to hear a negative word. You better be careful of the counsel you listen to because you can get wrong counsel, especially if it's not what God wants you to do. Now, all of us, I'm probably dating myself, but how many of you used to watch the show or have you seen it on Hee Haw? Raise it high. Well, some of you don't know what Hee Haw is, but it's a group of old Country boys laying on the front porch, half lit drowning their sorrows with dogs by their side, and they they were they're spread out over a porch like the week's wash, and they're singing this jingle, gloom, despair, and agony on me. oh, y'all remember that deep, dark depression, excessive misery, whoa. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Y'all remember that? Well, I'm going to tell you something. That's also describing discouragement. We all have that tendency to face it, to go through it. And Elijah would have chimed in with the hee-haw, uh, with hee-haw boys and sang with them back there all alone. Why? Because he listened to the wrong voice. Now, look, you're going to find out people have all kind of theological opinions. You're going to find out that people have all kind of, of, of opinions about the way you whatever, how you preach and how you teach and how you sing and and, and what you do and what you look like. I mean, it's kind of a common, uh, and I don't take this wrong in any way, but when I go to a funeral, I hear this almost every time. Well, preacher, you probably look like one today. Now, I've been to a lot of rodeos, and I've been to four years of Bible college and, and two years after that in seminary, And I have yet to look in a book and find out what a preacher is supposed to look like. Just haven't. So, when I find that out, now some of you have settled in your mind that it must be one that wears a tie and a coat. I call those monkey suits. But I do wear them at a funeral. I can't help it. I can't break that. But now up here, I feel comfortable. But you take an old river rat like me, born on the Tennessee River, I, I, I'm i telling you, when we had to wear the three-piece and the, the vest, and, all, and I was overweight too, the buttons were sticking way out, and you it's terrible. Just uncomfortable. If you have to have a preacher in a suit, I'm sure somewhere you might find one somewhere. In Genesis 3, chapter 1, the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve we're in a perfect environment. And it was just the third chapter, but then here comes a voice speaking in Adam's ear. Adam. You see that tree over there? He said, yeah. I also know God told me not to eat of it. Adam said, he uh, said, we're not supposed to partake of that fruit. Now, some of you say, well, I know what that fruit was. It's an apple. And then I've heard other people say, no, it wasn't an apple on the tree. It was a pear on the ground. Well, I haven't been able to squeeze a fruit out of that to tell me what it is. Except Adam and Eve were told, do not partake of that one tree in the garden. Well, here come the serpent. And the serpent began to dialogue with with Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve began to listen to those words. And before long, they said, you know what? I believe you're right, serpent. I don't believe God would hold back anything from us. I don't believe God would hold back and tell us, no, I I think you're right. He didn't really mean that. And before long, we're here in the mess that we're in because they listened to the wrong voice. You see, I believe that there is a voice that we can trust and that we can listen to and that even when no one else will follow it, it's called the voice of God. Now, it's sad if you haven't heard nor sensed nor felt the still small voice of our Lord. Right now, some of you are convinced that you're not going to come out of your discouragement and that for whatever reason you're discouraged, you feel like if, if you get it like I do, I get a heaviness, I get one of those like, dear God, give me a break. Why am I feeling this way? Why do I feel so down and and sad and and discouraged and it feels like it's not going to go away? By the way, I've felt that a ton in the last 30 years. But I never can run it off on my own. I have to ask God to help me. I have to praise God. And let me tell you something. I go to everybody that I can listen to that I know are theologically sound. I don't listen to nuts. But anybody that's been proven to me to be theologically sound and and a, a man of the word, I go to them and I listen. And I let God speak to me. You know, if I'd have been in my day, if Noah had been around, I'd have listened to him, wouldn't you? Boy, he caught a lot of criticism when he was building that boat, didn't he? And the Bible just gives us a certain amount about that. But it tells us that Noah went and built an ark. And everybody thought he had lost his mind. But then it began to rain and began to make sense. But do you know that the Bible also tells us that after all that and after that great victory and all that, he went and got drunk and exposed himself to his son. Moses, as we looked at last week, he did just about everything he could, kicking and screaming how God told him, but then finally come down to the end. As I said, he, instead of speaking to the rock, he hit the rock twice, and the Bible says, immediately God says, you're not taking my children into the promised land. What about Abraham? Abraham. Abraham was a great father of our faith. Abraham, it just looks like he did everything right, except when he got with his wife and was going into a city, he'd tell his wife to lie. He said, don't you tell them that you're my wife. You tell them you're my sister. But yet, Abraham was a great man of faith. What about David? Fought the giant, fought, the Goliath, fought Goliath and won. He whipped him. But then as he got older, he caved in adultery with Bathsheba. Peter of all walked on water, acknowledged that Jesus was the Son of God, the only disciple that heard the Father. But not once, not twice, but three times he denied him, even knowing him. We try to build these guys up as bulletproof superheroes. The fact of it is, they were just as human as you and I. Now, because of our humanness, it doesn't give us the right to do wrong. And every time these guys did wrong, they paid for it. Every time these guys went off into their flesh, there was a price tag. You see, in verse 3, Elijah, the Bible says, ran for his life. Why? Why did Elijah run? Somebody tell me. Do what? I can't hear you. But why? Why won't? Uh, he was afraid of one woman. Now she must have been a pretty powerful woman. But he cut her up. Here is the same man that just went through sixteen miracles and knew God's voice and saw God defeat all of the enemy and do all. And now he's on the run. He's afraid. The Scripture says he gets at one point, and he ditches his servant. Now, he's alone. Can I tell y'all something? And you you better watch this, because this is just how Satan works. He tries to separate you out. He cuts the sheep out of the fold. What he likes to do is get you to thinking that you need to be by yourself. Now, I know that feeling because this old boy here, I I get to thinking about heaven, and I think about a log cabin by myself. In my mind, sometimes, if I could just have that Hundred acres and that cabin right in the middle of it. Nobody to bother me but the varmints. But that's the very thing that'll get every one of us here in trouble. You see, Satan will separate you out. And then we see what comes all of a sudden. Elijah's sitting here feeling all alone. By himself. Fearful. You see, he got into where he was overwhelmed. The Bible says he was under a juniper tree or a broom tree, and he's praying, God, I'm sick of this. I'm ready to go home. I'm not going to ask you, but I'll tell you. I've had those thoughts myself. I'm not going to ask you if you've ever thought that. But you see, discouragement will do that. It'll get you thinking, you're overwhelmed. And nothing's going to change. And before long, you're begging to die. This is the same prophet that we read about all in victory, and now he is in a funk of discouragement. The first sign of trouble, Elijah hit the road. Now, ladies and gentlemen, We're all human, and we all have a human side. And we all get to feeling like sometimes I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I should be. This is not the way I want it to be in my life. I don't want to be facing. I don't want to be having these feelings. But sometimes you have to face those, just like Elijah, because you're under a divine test. This is a test of God. You'll follow Elijah all the way through till you find him in a cave and God's saying, Elijah, hey, Elijah, where are you at? And then Elijah would give him all of the excuses why he was there. And then he'd ask me, hey, Elijah, where are you at? You know where you're at? He never lambasted him. He never said, well, I'm ashamed of you, Elijah, acting like that. That's the crazy. Now, see, that's how some of you treat others. But you see, God said, where are you at, man? You see, the second thing I want you to see is that not only was Elijah listening to the wrong voice, but he was leaning in the wrong direction. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you here today think or feel like you're going right exactly the way God wants you to go? You're doing exactly today what God would have you to do. You're exactly in your heart at peace with Jesus. You're at peace with the Lord. You're doing, you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're in God's complete will today. You know that? That's a good thing. You know, while I I really do believe that in my life, it's kind of like a little illustration with a boy after church came up to his pastor and said, Pastor, when I grow up, I'm going to become a doctor, and I'm going to make a lot of money. And when I do, I'm going to give you a lot of money. And that pastor looked at that little boy, and he said, well, that's sort of kind of you and generous, but why are you going to give me all that money? He said, because my daddy says you're the poorest preacher we've ever had. (laughs) Don't think I haven't felt that. And some of you. When you look into heaven and and you know Jesus in your heart and and you know things are just not the way you want it to be and you go, Lord Jesus, I'm I'm the poorest servant you've ever had. I'm not doing anything you're telling me to do. Do you think really that Elijah wanted to die? You know, Elijah took off and running, but I don't think Elijah really wanted to die. Why? All he had to do was just stay right where he was, and in 24 hours, uh, <laughs> Jezebel would have took him out. So, he didn't want to die. He just got discouraged. Sometimes we get to thinking we're big stuff. Get a little cocky. I'm God's finest. And I'm going to tell you something. God has a way. And he sure wears me out. He's <laughs> kind of like an old cocky cowboy. You may have heard about him. He was riding his horse one day and he spied, when he, when he spied an old farmer on a mule. And in his cocky way, he rode up to that farmer and he took out his revolver. And he said, old oh, man, you know how to dance? And he started fighting. When he told him to get off his mule, he started firing at the ground. No farmer, just a dancer until he ran out of bullets. The farmer then eased over to the old mule, slipped his hand down in the sack, and pulled out a double-barrel shotgun. He looked at that young, cocky, prideful cowboy. And he said, son, have you ever kissed a mule? That young cowboy looked at that old man and that two barrels pointing down at him and his nosing. He says, No, but I've always wanted to. (laughs) Let's face it God has a way of humbling us all. But we can't pass the test if we're listening to the wrong voice. We can't pass the test. If we're leaning in the wrong direction, I want you to look thirdly at what Elijah learned. Verse five Elijah was wearied and tired and worn out. He was sleeping, and an angel touched him and told him to get up, wake up, and eat. Verse 6 says, Elijah looked around and saw some, of the bread, some bread baking on hot stones in a jar of water, and he ate the bread and drank the water, and he laid down again. Elijah learned that God is still God, and that God is still good, and that God is not going to leave you. So when you get discouraged, and you will, just remember, God is right there with you. We're all going to get older. Some of us are going to get sicker. Some of us are going to take on new positions, and we think, and that's and, and, and an exciting time until trouble comes. But don't forget, if you've lost your mate, if you've lost a child, you know what I learned about losing two little girls? God is still there. He didn't leave me. He's still with me. Now, it doesn't mean I don't get discouraged. It doesn't mean that there's not times that that I don't have great struggles, because I do. But God's never left me. The Bible says Elijah was exhausted and that he needed some rest. He needed some food from heaven. I'm going to tell you something. Some of you may take this Bible and you may habitually, out of duty, out of guilt, read it. But ladies and gentlemen, until you learn to use this word to feed you, You're going to stay discouraged. You're going to stay defeated because you can't do it. Elijah won none of those battles. He just experienced them. He was human. And then all of a sudden, he was in a fog. Ladies and gentlemen, God is still And no matter what in our future, even as a church, remember, God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing with you. He knows what he's wanting to do with you and your wife and your kids. He even knows the wives he's going to send our young guys. He already knows. So you've got to trust him. And you can't get so discouraged that you let the enemy pick you off and drag you out. He will. If you quit, he'll eat your lunch. So be careful. With every head bowed, never alcohol.